Hi, I'm Mike Southern, president of the SRI Group, and I'd like to welcome you to the Pathways of Excellence podcast series. At SRI, for the past 40 years, we've helped hundreds of clients worldwide achieve and maintain excellence. Whether you measure excellence by a statistical measurement, by a cultural parameter, or any other award or measurement you'd like to use, SRI clients have achieved and maintained superior performance and culture for year after year after year. Through this time, when we've been able to meet any number of phenomenal leaders and managers and supervisors and employees who have helped their companies through this transition achieve startling results. This series will be dedicated to those ideals and those concepts which have promoted and set the groundwork for excellence. They'll be, it'll be dedicated to those techniques which we've learned from these companies and they've learned from us, which will continue to promote excellence. And hopefully, along the way, you'll be able to adapt some of these items to your particular instance, see some insights from some of industry's greatest leaders, and perhaps start your own journey to excellence. Our first podcast topic will be discussing one of the greatest turnarounds we've ever seen in the history of SRI, maybe in all the history of industry. We've had a client who was losing a tremendous amount of money. They had injuries, environmental incidents, mechanical integrity failures, you name it, any number of problems they had. A new VP came in with a new approach and took some of the same people that had been working there for years and managed to affect systemic change on, on a very large scale. With us today to discuss these changes are Mike White and James Bond, JB as we call him. Mike is a senior executive in chemical and process industries having worked for Exxon, Lindell, Sunoco, and TPC. JB is a highly accomplished manufacturing specialist with over 20 years experience in the steel industry. He served in all capacities from the entry level position through facility manager, production manager, fleet manager, performance improvement manager, all the way up through corporate safety positions. He has a diverse knowledge of operations management and manufacturing and construction projects. And when we first met JB, he was the production supervisor at the plant we'll be discussing today. JB, what you called from chaos to excellence, the Company X Plant 3 journey from having quite a lot of problems to moving into one of the best of class in its industry. Can you give us a little bit of history about Plant 3, JB, before Mike got there and the transformation began? Yeah, I think it was probably the plant had been running for three to four years before Mike arrived. And uh, there was, like you mentioned, total chaos. There was, uh, you know, we was losing money, money hand over fist, equipment was failing. Um, we had no no procedures whatsoever, no policies written. Um, we had uh, 
people getting hurt. I think in the first three or four years, we had like maybe 20, 22 recordable injuries. That wouldn't even count the non-recordables of other people getting injured. Environmentally, we weren't performing well. It was just uh, total chaos, you know, early on. But prior to, to Mike arriving and bringing his, his leadership team in. So, Mike, what did you find when you got there to, to Company X and, and to Plant 3 specifically? Well, to kind of echo what JB said, I mean, even though it was only maybe a three-year-old plant, it looked really old. It hadn't been maintained very well. The uh, performance was pretty erratic. You know, there, there just really wasn't an overall game plan. It was just kind of shoot from the hip and, uh, and everybody try their best without uh, a lot of funding or support to get the job done. And frankly, a pretty demoralized employee group, you know, that, that uh, just didn't like failing, but uh, weren't really sure and didn't have the resources on, you know, with, within their own team to, to do any better. It was, it's kind of like Groundhog Day all over again every day. And, and Groundhog, Groundhog Day wasn't a good day. Yeah, that's, that's a good thing to mention is the, the morale at that time. You know, it was a new plant. And everybody was excited to get it up and running, but through all the efforts and hard work of the employees, it just didn't get there. We didn't have the right, like Mike mentioned, support, the right leadership. Um, it was just, uh, it was really demoralizing for, for the employees to work so hard at something so new and not be able to make progress. Yeah, I remember the first time that we went there doing an assessment for you all. And I met with the plant manager, John, and he said, let me save your, you and your team a couple of days. We don't have any systems whatsoever. Well, we still got to do the assessment, John. He said, well, you're not going to find any systems. Um, <laughs> he, he was pretty straightforward about where they, they plant three stood at that particular time. And, yeah. But it did have some strengths. I think there was, there was, a, and we can get into that a little bit later on. What were some of the, corporate strengths and weaknesses in Company X at that particular time before the transformation really took place? Well, I think a couple of things. Uh, one is, uh, you know, it was a company that was growing pretty rapidly and uh, they did have other plants to leverage on. They actually had one plant that had been operating for many years that was uh, a well-operating plant. And, uh, and they had another plant, too, had been operating, you know, maybe in the five to ten year time frame. And it, it was uh, fairly poorly performing. And so, you know, from a plant one standpoint, they did have an operation to, uh, to look at. Also, there had been uh, pretty significant uh, leadership changes at the top with a new overall company CEO and a new president had been brought in who, you know, was pretty, uh, uh, and, and he was the one that brought me in, and uh, he was pretty determined to uh, implement a, a much more reliable and, uh, you know, and safety and environmentally sound uh, operation. Yeah, you did have some commercial aspects that helped you too with your, your take or pay contracts. Can you tell them a little bit about that? Yeah, that's true. The business was set up. Uh, where the, you know, the plant provided product to a single customer and up to a maximum volume, the customer was obligated to take uh, everything that the plant made. 
So, you know, a lot of times when you do a, a transformation, uh, even though you know that the plant uh, is performing much better, it doesn't always quickly translate to the bottom line because just because you can make more product doesn't mean you can sell it. But th this was a pretty unique case where, uh, uh, you know, every, every incremental pound of product that we could make could, you know, was automatically sold. And so uh, improvements flowed to the bottom line quickly. And, and similarly, all, you know, all the plants in the, in the fleet had similar technology. So, you know, we could, we could bring people from across the enterprise to bear on making plant three get better and, and the coal company get better at the same time. Do, do you all think at the time, Company X was a fairly lean organization, I think, to, to put it mildly, but can that be an advantage for one of these uh, attempts to turn it around as, as well as to some extent a disadvantage? Well, I think, you know, and not only was it lean, it was, it was uh, you know, it was growing pretty quickly. So a lot of the employees at the, at the company were relatively new due to the growth. And, uh, you know, they were pretty open-minded to, uh, to making things better, you know, whatever it took. Uh, you know, some of the folks that had been around for a lot longer were maybe a little less open-minded to doing things differently. Uh, but we had a, we had a pretty small chain of command, and uh, pretty much if we decided we were going to do something, there wasn't you know there weren't a lot of roadblocks to stopping us uh, at at the management level. Yeah, I think that always helped a lot. That you know, the the bureaucracy wasn't there at that point. You know, it it eventually got there, but yeah. but there wasn't much there. It was uh, it was it was pretty nice that you know. Uh, once the turnaround began, I'd, I'd fell into that production manager's role, and and I had a, you know, a direct tie to Mike as as a VP. You know, I could I could talk to him anytime I needed to. You know, and uh, you know, so if I needed something, I'd go to the plant manager, and he'd go to Mike, and Mike would go to the team, and we had it. Just you know, if it was something we needed, and I think the the thing to mention about early on, you know, it wasn't the fact that that the employees there and the, and the people there on the ground didn't know what needed to be done to turn around. We just didn't have the support to do that. Um, so it was kind of, it was run lean, but it was run way too lean. You know, and once Mike got there and we started the, the improvement process of bringing people in to do assessments and looking at things, the first thing that, that uh, they found was the fact that we was too lean. We needed more help. We needed more supervisors. We needed more employees. We needed more people management. We needed engineering. There were just so much, many things we need to turn that plan around that, we just didn't have, and, and so we didn't have the capability to turn it around or to improve it. You know, it was really tough. I guess the low point, or one of the low points, came when the stack fell. Any thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah, I think I think Mike was there that day. I know I was. I watched it fall. Um, I, I wasn't there, JB, but I got there pretty quickly after that. That was yeah, yeah. there was there was a corporate team there. I know, and I think it may have been the HES team or something was there, but we had. Uh, you know, I'm standing there watching a, a stack fall and, you know, and I'm standing with a couple employees and noticed that some other employees had just got out of the building that it fell on. <laughs> so, you know, the mechanical integrity issues that we had early on, um, that's what really brought that to the forefront to say, hey, look, we got to change something or somebody's going to get severely hurt or, or, you know, the plant's just going to wreck itself. So that was that was quite an event when that happened. Absolutely. Now, back in the uh, mid-80s, we did – a lot of work for 
the Shell Oil Company, one of the things they tried to do was integrate structured safety environmental process with their their vision of future state and all the work that they were doing around that throughout the, the company. And I uh, got to meet a lot of the organizational effectiveness guys throughout Shell. And one of the things that they taught me very early on in my career was that if you're going to transform an organization, you need to have a pretty clear vision of what future state is going to look like. When you started the, when the change for Company X at Plant 3 or Company X in general, was there, was there a fairly clear vision of where we were trying to get to? I think so. Uh, you know, and just a little bit of background, you know, I, I was really brought into uh, Company X because there was a desire, you know, at, at that time, Company X was part of a larger uh, public public company. And there was a desire to take the company uh, IPO and uh, and do a spinoff, you know, within a few years. And it was felt that the, uh, you know, the, the state of the operations and, and the state of the business wasn't uh, reliable and steady enough to be able to do that. So I, I was kind of brought in to try to turn it into something that was IPOable. And uh, the vision that we set was a pretty simple one. It was it was the right task, the right way every day. And, uh, you know, so easy to say hard to achieve and uh, and we set out to try to do that in a in a very systematic manner and and to comment on one thing you said mike about you know trying to integrate structured safety and other things together you know we toyed with the idea you know we had a lot of things we wanted to do we wanted to do a business transformation uh, we wanted to implement a uh, we called it structured safety and environmental process and you know Sometimes when you look at these things, you, you think that, uh, well, let's let's go slow. Let's not overload people with too much stuff at once. We're going to, you know, confuse everybody. And, uh, you know, we decided with the state of the business and the state of the of the operations that we didn't have time to do things in theory. And that if we kept it simple and, and, we, and we had an, and JB can probably comment on this in a minute. We had an employee group that I think was hungry for change and wanted to do things the right way. We just decided to implement everything at once and, and try to get, you know, get through the transformation as quickly as possible. Yeah. I think that, that was, you know, that was probably the most important part was the fact that everybody wanted change. We didn't want the way it was, it existed at that point. Um, like I said, a lot of people were working awfully hard and wasn't getting anywhere. So, to see support come and see some structure come, it was, you know, it was just a breath of fresh air that, you know, everybody just took a hold of and said, hey, let's jump on board and, and get this done, you know. I think one of the things that, that impressed me, Mike, was when we first got together to talk about this project, you weren't looking for some gigantic management system like in OEMS or whatever else it might particularly be. You were looking for, let's get down to the fundamentals, the basics, the things that we've got to do the sequential meetings, the accountability, the correct measurement, and all those sorts of things. And that was really the driving force behind being able to do attack on different fronts simultaneously with safety, mechanical integrity, reliability, operations controls, et cetera. 
Agree, Mike. I've seen I've seen these kind of systems where uh, it's so so darn complicated that you got to have a PhD to understand uh, you know the documents and you know an element of a system might be a hundred page document. You know, we we set out to do something simple that people could relate to and was a tool for them and uh, not not a tool on a on a bunch of PowerPoint slides that you could present to upper management to look good. You know, as I always say, you can't change the world with PowerPoint slides. You can, you can only change the world with your, with your actions. So JB, when you get this plan that we're going to get better on all fronts, we're going to do it quickly and, and we're going to do it all at one time. How did that go over at plant three? Well, I think that the, initially when he brought the, the operational assessment team, they came in, with uh you know it was a third party mike had brought in and, and the good thing about them is they work hand in hand with everybody so i as a production manager at the time i had people with me and we had daily meetings of, of what we was assessing what we need to do so they went through and, and identified all the things that we thought we needed to do to make the improvements um, and then come up with this operational turnover plan that they gave to us and that's where the accountability the roles and responsibilities and things all that come all that come into place and for me as a production manager, I'm looking at it and I've got, you know, six or seven supervisors and around 80 employees there that, that was in operations that was managing at the time. And we're seeing this plan and I'm looking at it. And then what really sunk into me was I had my name, you know, it was right there on the, on the turnover and over to the right, it showed, I think, uh, like $45 million. And I was accountable for that much EBITDA, you know, for the year. And, uh, that's where I kind of seeing that and thinking I've got all this responsibility, which that was probably 90% of the potential even for the plant. I'm looking at that and thinking, you know, that's a lot of responsibility, but I was, I was already geared up and ready to drive it. And they put metrics in place for us to review and, and, you know, make sure we get better to measure us. And that was, that was really important. And it was, it was hard at first uh, leading that change, uh, especially on the shop floor level, so to speak. Um, but uh, I think once people started, seeing the improvement and seeing things get better. If it was just day to day, we've seen gradual improvements by the changes we was making and implementing. Everybody started to get on board and it just started snowballing. And once they seen that and they, it built some trust among those demoralized employees, it really just started to grow. Like I said, it was a snowball and it just started rolling. And every day we started getting better. And the turnaround we had from, from one year to the next was absolutely unbelievable. And, even I, though I was responsible for that much money to deliver, I think I delivered maybe 20% more than that on top of that. So that was rewarding. And we just kept getting better, you know, day after day, month after month, year after year. Um, with those structures and, and that support, things got better. When JB talked about an assessment team, you know, that team did have uh, a couple consultants. It was really made up. Uh, we we took the the most knowledgeable person at every one of our other plants, put them on the team, and told them that they were they were implementing a strategy not only to improve plant three, but that they would use at their own site to get better. So uh, everybody had skin in the game, and uh, really. Uh, by bringing you know, and it was it was a demonstration of management commitment to pull all those people away from their own sites. But uh, 
you know, the, the, the power of that group working together, you know, along with people like JB and, and uh, you mentioned uh, the plant manager, John, really, uh, really made a profound impact. Both of you talked a little bit about the importance of management's commitment. How was that demonstrated? How, how did we go about from the CEO, the president, Mike, and then you through your line organization, how did we demonstrate that commitment to improvement? Well, I would say uh, in a couple of different ways. One way was, I mean, in addition to, you know, improving our systems and, and how we operated the plant, frankly, there was a pretty big amount of uh, overdue maintenance and, uh, and items requiring repair, you know, where underspending had taken place. And uh, we ended up committing a pretty significant amount of uh, maintenance and capital to uh, to get the plant back to where it needed to be. Uh, in addition, uh, you know, there was a lot of management presence at the site. I got there quite frequently uh, so that I could sit, you know, sit and, uh, and a lot of it was done in the field, but have the team update, uh, update me uh, in terms of what was going on and the progress we were making. And as I said before, just, just pulling together the team that we did to uh, dedicate, I think, showed quite a bit of commitment. Talk to me a little bit about, each of you, a little bit about Company X's approach and Plant 3's approach to accountability. You know, nowadays you tend to see a lot of people that want to soft pedal accountability and they don't really, you know, they either take a draconian approach with firing people or a or a too soft approach and letting things go. Is adult accountability really a, a critical portion of this story? I think it is. You know, we told people pretty clearly uh, in the beginning that, uh, you know, we were going to change the way that we did business and, and you know, not, not intended to be in a threatening way. You know, anybody that wanted to come along for the ride and be part of it, you know, was welcome, but, you know, people who couldn't or wouldn't adapt were going to have to be changed out. And, you know, it was really more at the management team level for the most part than, than certainly, you know, not so much at the worker level. And uh, we followed through on that. We, we did have to make a number of changes. Sometimes people didn't necessarily leave the company, but they uh, went to a role that they were better uh, suited for. Yeah, I think I think that's that's that was probably the important part is, you know, with with leading change, you know, there's always that that change curves. So you got those people defend the past and then you got change leaders and you got to get everybody over that hump, you know, get your majority to where they're they're going with you. And that was a tough part, you know, and especially we had a bunch of people that was from older ways of doing things and wasn't really they was kind of resistant to change and, and they didn't want to. But. We ended up getting enough people on the on the right side of change that it, it ended up happening. And I think the most important part of the accountability was for me at the plant level uh, was the uh, the meeting process, the sequential meeting process. You know, having structure around the team meetings. You know, to the to the leadership team meetings, to the you know reporting out to the guys at the executive team, um, plus just the day to day meetings between maintenance and operations, just kind of updating constantly on progress and and your your measurements through your metrics and things your kpis and things like that so to me that structure was probably it's what really set in the um, accountability part at the plant was just having that structure around everything and everybody having responsibilities and 
having the responsibility to actually report out on performance in their specific areas. Uh, me as a production manager, I didn't want to have to report poor numbers. I wanted to do my best to when I come to a meeting and say, hey, look, here was the target and here, here's where we was at. And I didn't want to be below target. I want to be at or above, you know, constantly. So I think that structure is what really set in accountability. And, you know, and if we had daily meetings at the team, we had a weekly review meeting, and then we'd have monthly meetings with the executive leadership team. And I think that was really important to know that everything went up, was reported up, and then anything we needed, we got. And, and the support came right back down the ladder. So that was really important, I think, as far as the, the accountability part of the, of the plan and, and leading to a success. I don't know if, uh, Mike, if you ever looked at uh, on my LinkedIn, I wrote, a, I wrote an article one time about relevancy. And I think that that's really the most important part of any, any, any business, whether it be a, a small business with five employees or a, a corporation with a thousand. Every employee has to have some relevance. And all the things I was talking about with me with having a report out and things like that, that made me relevant to the improvement of the, of the plant and the company. And it's so important that, you know, I don't care what, what your job is for the company, you've got to have some relevance to it. And it has to be recognized from leadership to let you know that we know you're relevant, you know, so you'll perform even when I'm not there looking over you or following up to ask you questions, you're going to do the right thing just because it's the right thing to do. Um, and I think that's the most important part of a, a company is to make sure that everybody feels relevant. And during that change time there, everybody was relevant, you know, to the change and, and to improvement. And that was to me the most important part. And, you know, the longer I've been in this business and, and working with continuous improvement and things like that, I think that relevance is the most important thing you can do as an employer is make sure your people's relevant. I was visiting plant three one day, you know, during the transformation and I asked uh, JB how it was going and he, he was just bristling with enthusiasm. And he, and he said, you know, Mike, I used to be a shift supervisor, but now I'm a businessman. <laughs> and I thought that was one of the most awesome comments I've ever heard. You know, he, he went from being a supervisor to being part of the business and, and helping the company make money. Yep. Absolutely. Well, you know, you talked about all the meetings and, and making things purposeful and, and the discussions about improvement. Measurement had to change quite a bit at Plant 3, didn't it? I mean, we weren't really measuring a whole lot at the start and then – you came up with the key performance indicators. Tell me a little bit about how you picked those and, and what the nature of it was and how often they were reviewed and on what cadence and that sort of thing. Let me kind of start with that. You know, I, I think one of the most important things uh, part of this change was we had very clear measurements of success and we used visual management to track that progress, uh, you know, with the employees taking a marker in their hand and writing on whiteboards versus some engineer calculating a bunch of stuff. And, uh, you know, the front end of plant three is a batch process. At any given time, you have 200 batches in, uh, in process that take 48 hours to complete. So the goal was to make 100 batches a day. And, you know, we looked at the historical data when we started the transformation and it was all over the map. And so the, the, the whole company became focused on, you know, how to make 100 batches a day. And, you know, the company supplied 
whatever uh, capital was required to make that happen. The employees all got behind it. I can remember sitting in a board meeting, getting a text from a group of employees uh, so excited that they made a hundred batches the day before. And uh, you know, that, that when that kind of thing's going on, you really have something. And then the second phase uh, became, once we got to the hundred batches and it became, how do we make sure each batch was of maximum size? Uh, but you know, that crystal clear understanding of how, you know, whether we did good or bad every day, I think made all the difference. You know, maybe you can add some comments to that, JB. Yeah, I think just that that hundred batch day. I was there. I was there, and you know, we we clocked it from midnight to midnight is how the batching went. And I remember it was eleven fifty nine, and we had a shift change at twelve. And my brother actually was there. He was a supervisor that was coming on, and we had that batch on the machine, taking it to finish it out. And typically, we would stop and let the operator switch out and i wouldn't let it happen because that that hundredth batch was there on my shift we still had a minute to go to complete it <laughs> and, <laughs> and we did it and honestly i mean that was probably i mean and 25 years i've been in, around the steel industry that was probably my my most satisfying moment was to do that you know because all that hard work and all those hard years of you know uh, uh, blood sweat and tears you know came to fruition when whenever we got that hundredth batch and that that 24 hour period, you know, like Mike said, after the fact, we whittled that down getting to where we had the maximum amount of batch in the less, least amount of time. Um, and it just continued to improve from there. But that was, that was to me was one of the high points of, of my whole career was, was that night. I remember like as you've seen the, the employees that were involved there um, still to this day, uh, remember that, you know, it stuck in their mind as well. Two more quick things I want to get to before we get to towards the end of the journey and the results. One of them is you start to have best practices that you're finding at the, at the different facilities. Mike, you want to talk a little bit about how you shared those best practices? JB shared the best practices from Plant 3 to other facilities and vice versa? Yeah, I mean, sometimes best practice sharing is a series of meetings where everybody uh, – you know, puts all the ideas on the table, and sometimes those are followed up on, sometimes they aren't. This was more of a living thing. Again, when we when we uh, made this dramatic transformation at Plant 3, we had people from all the other sites there helping, so they were part of it. Uh, they saw it. The goal was that they would believe in it and uh, bring bring that back to their own site. You know, we then, once this transfer, once the plant three transformation is done, we had a similar effort at each of the other sites, not to the same extent because we largely had the uh, methodology implemented. And, uh, you know, we had plant JB did a big part of this, but we had plant three personnel that went to the other sites. It was, it was like everybody implemented this, uh, uh, this, this best way of doing things together. So it wasn't wasn't really a handoff from site to site. Every, everybody did it together. Yeah, I think that was that's probably the most important part is we we captured those best practices, we communicated them, and we implemented them everywhere. And it's just become the way we do business, the way, way we did business as a company. And like Mike said, you know, everybody went to the different plants. I was, you know, he Mike ended up making me an improvement facilitator for the plant and taking me out of operations at the time to capture those best practices, document them, 
uh, develop training around them and then go to the other sites and implement them, you know, with them and communicate them. So it was uh, a really a success across the whole fleet, you know, let alone the, the improvements we made in the turnaround there at plant three, it's everywhere else got the benefits from it as well. It has become just the way the company does business. There still was a little bit of competition between the facilities, though, if I remember. Yeah, it, it was. It, it was competitive, but, you know, it's just, uh, but, you know, it was all as similar as they were. They also was different, you know, and, and plant three was probably the most complex for many different reasons as a plant. But uh, uh, so if we knew if we tamed that plant, then the others would just be easy, you know, in comparison. But I, I would call I would call it a healthy and friendly competition, and not uh, not a not a not, competition wasn't done in an unhealthy way. Right, That's right. Because we all work together and help each other. You know, I, I travel to all the plants and and work with everybody, and there was never not any resistance at all. You know, there was just uh, you know there was just good communication among everybody. You know, one of the buzz topics of of this last year and a half, two years throughout industry has been the concept of human error reduction or human operational performance and so on. And, and what we found at SRI is that some of our best clients historically have always embraced error. They don't try to get people to hide it. They don't punish people for saying, hey, this anomaly or this error occurred. They encourage Finding out what went wrong so they can make it better was that part of the of the plant three journey? It was the you know you know error is a chance to learn you know there there's there's nothing wrong with making an error as long as you don't make the same error over and over again. So you know if you treat if you treat an error as an opportunity to punish the guilty, then uh, you know. Things are going to go underground. If you if you look at it as an opportunity to get better, you know people will be open uh, about what happened, and and everybody work together to make sure it doesn't happen again. So, on the other hand, if somebody uh, you know blatantly disregards a procedure and you know doesn't follow a clearly accepted rule, then then there there should be some punishment for that. So. You know, the way I look at it is if you look at what somebody did and conclude that most people would have made that same error, then, then that's a learning opportunity. If you look at what happened and you conclude that virtually everyone would have done that properly and this person chose not to, then, then that's a different situation. Yeah, and I think, I think those were few and far between. I think we're just the fact that we didn't early on, you know, have any any procedures there's no organization anything um, no no certain policies once we started getting those things there was some trial and error but everybody was understandable that that we was going to make mistakes people were going to mess up and we just wasn't we was there to hold them accountable but we wasn't there to to, to hurt anybody you know um, and you know the the old thing with with employees is you want to change behaviors not employees and i think that's what we was looking to do is just change behaviors get people doing things the right way and then get them used to doing the right way where it just became habit strength, second nature, whatever you want to call it. And I think that the accountability was there because they held themselves accountable once they had something to follow. And most of the time people just, they don't care to do the work. They just want to know what they're supposed to be doing and how they're supposed to do it. And if there was failures, it was more on, on the leadership side or the supervision to where we felt them by not, not instructing the right way or right, having the right procedure in place for them. And I think that's where 
the engagement into the workforce is kind of like the, the real stage two of the improvements there at the plant to where we actually had their buy-in. You know, they was there to help developing procedures. You know, we actually had brought a uh, entry-level employee that had some um, certain computer skills, clerical skills, and plant knowledge, and they actually worked directly with me, and we wrote procedures for the entire plant. So we had everything. We did it with people, you know, like I said, myself, I was an entry-level employee at one time, so we was writing the procedures because we'd actually done the work, and it made them to where everybody accepted them a little bit better. It made it a whole lot easier implementing them because they knew that they was written by people that actually had done them before. You both talked about accountability and, and, and home people accountable. If I remember, Plant 3 had 100, 120 people, something like that. How many folks did we have to let go in this change? Was it a small percentage or a significant amount? I think, I think if you count them on one hand, it would probably be too many. And mostly, uh, mostly members of the management team. Yes. So I think that's that's an important point that, that we need to get across is that it was essentially the same group of people. They were just right. being led better. They were being managed better. They had systems and they had resources. And the same people produced some phenomenal results. Can you all tell us what the end result was, what the plant ended up achieving? It, it was unbelievable. I, I mean, I've never uh, I've never been a part of anything as dramatic. You know, I think within the first year from uh, EBITDA of minus 9 million to a plus 35 million. So that in and of itself was dramatic and it continued to get much better in the months after that. You know, Jay, we talked about 100 batches a day that went from a superhuman feat, you know, that JB remembers on that night to a routine, you know, the output of the plant increased significantly. Frankly, the quality of the product, the main customer for the plant went from being, customers went from being, you know, relatively, you know, not very happy to being, uh, you know, very happy with the performance of the, of the, of the plant. And, uh, you know, the safety and environmental performance of the plant was uh, dramatically improved. You know, I've been a part of uh, a lot of different uh, transformations in my career, and I've never seen anything as dramatic as what happened at Plant 3 in such a short period of time. Yeah, that, that one-year span was just, it was amazing, the turnaround. And, and, and it took a lot of work, even once we started implementing things. And I always tell this story of, you know, I was production manager at the time. I had six or seven supervisors working for me. And um, I can remember there was one month, uh, prior, I think it was May, the month of May, um, one year, I had worked more hours in that plant than I ever did. And that was during all this change. And in that month of May, I worked more hours than I ever did for the previous four or five years. And then in the month of June, I worked the least amount of hours. And something I'd learned through the change process and, and implementing all these best practices was the fact that everybody needs to know what to do as far as roles and responsibilities. Well, I actually sat down the month of May during those all those hours of working and wrote roles and responsibilities for the supervisors. So I implemented them June 1st after I'd written them. And therefore, it took a big load off my shoulders of what I was trying to do to where I spread it out. And we all did it together. You know, so that finally sunk into me about how important structure is, how important standardization is and organization and how much it can help you 
make things manageable. Me at that time was, you know, I scored as a very high driver type personality and I was trying to do everything myself when, which, you know, even at the time we had an operations manager and probably the most important thing he ever said to me was, Hey, you can't do all this yourself. And we said that, that clicked something in my mind. And I thought, you know what? He's right. I got to try to help educate everybody else and, and spread it around. And it was, it was such a drastic change that one from one year to the next was unbelievable. And even for the next three years, I think things just went up, you know, it just gradually got better. You know, just talking about that, even it increased by 20% every year for the next three years. And it would, if you said that, you know, three years after starting that implementation and that change, where that plant would be and what it would be making uh, versus what it was and the amount of time that it was making those batches in. I mean, everybody would have said, there's no way that could never happen, but it did, you know, and I think that's that, you know, I, I give a credit to Mike there for getting the right team in there, the right people, getting the right structure. And then the fact that we had a, uh, workforce that was looking for that change and that support at that time to that actually contributed to it. Yeah, one of the things I enjoyed the most was I, I would, uh, you know, once a quarter I would come for a formal review and an employee communication meeting. And, you know, frankly, and I, I was always pretty, uh, pretty direct with the employees, you know, you know, when I first started going there, you know, and I told everybody how the plant was performing and what the results were. Uh, you know, everybody would kind of leave the meeting with a little bit of a hangdog look <laughs> that uh, the place was doing so badly. Uh, but, you know, as this as this uh, process went on, it was people started to look forward to the quarterly meetings and, and hearing a report on how things were going. And you could just see everybody's uh, chest puffing out with pride. It went from a place where everybody was kind of walking around with a rain cloud over their heads to uh, to a place that uh, people were proud to work at. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> well, gentlemen, I want to thank you for your time. It, tr it truly was uh, something special, something that I'm glad we got to be a part of. We always appreciated that. And to see that transformation was uh, a truly spectacular thing. I know it took Tremendous effort on both of your parts and any number of other people, and it, it made a bit difference. I mean, you were recognized within your industry as being one of the best of the best facilities out there, and, and you sustained it for a number of years. So congratulations on what you did, and thank you for your time. I think one more thing I want to mention, Mike, before we go, is just the fact that we talked about operations and EBITDA, but the, the, the safety improvement was unbelievable. Like I said, we'd had 20 some injuries in the first three years. I think once we started that, I measured like the next four years and we only had one recordable in four years after that. It was unbelievable. The, the safety transformation that occurred at the same time, the operational improved. So that I think that's an important thing to say that the fact that if you, you know, you improved your operations then and you put the same effort improving safety, it's going to happen as well. Amazing how those two things always go hand in hand. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, and SRI is a big part of that. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate it. One of the things I'd like you to do, Mike, though, and both of you to do, actually, is, in your own words, tell me a little bit about what you're doing right now. I I, uh, I left corporate life in 2018 or, you know, working full-time corporate life and formed my own consulting business. Lakeview Petrochemical Advisors, 
mainly working with private equity companies to help them with uh, uh, projects and, and, uh, and plan operations. Uh, I also, about half my time, uh, I'm, a, I'm senior vice president at Starwood Energy Group, another private equity company, and helping them to uh, implement projects in the chemical space. But uh, really, really enjoy uh, what I do now and uh, continue to work in the petrochemical industry, but a uh, little, little different uh, slant than what I did when I was uh, head of operations for major companies. Great. KB? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm still in, in steel manufacturing as a, working as a supervisor. And I just recently, I was a general manager to a big car lot for a while and also have a purchasing company that, you know, I most, I do a lot of uh, real estate investing. Um, I invest in some other things too. And, but uh, that's pretty much what I'm doing right now. Well, I'd say both two, two of you are two of the most talented people that we've ever had the opportunity to work with. So we, we greatly enjoyed your friendship and, and the ability to work with you. It's been, it's been special for us. Thank you.